start your week brightly and restore your rhythm with Intune Radio, business with beats. Hi everyone, Intune Radio with Wayne and Derrin. Thank you for joining us, business with beats, Shropshire's finest podcast radio uh, broadcast. Derrin, the weather has changed, spring has sprung. This is our love episode. We're all about love. We're loving businesses. We're loving charities. How are you finding the year so far? Well, I just like the fact that it is far more positive now. Um, you know, vaccines being rolled out, et cetera, et cetera. And the um, flowers are coming up. The weather is improving. Yeah, things are looking up. And as we're you say, this is our positive love kind of show. Absolutely. So we're in March. We're, we're moving towards summer. And hopefully we can all get out and about a little bit more sensibly soon so to help us on our way we've got an action-packed show we've got uh, a wonderful lady who is a charity expert victoria handbury madden who's going to talk all about charities and how we can help local charities uh to you know prosper as we move towards um working out of the situation that we're currently in we've also we're also welcoming the high sheriff of shropshire which is just amazing that dean harris has decided to join us and she too is talking about her passions and beliefs uh she's going to demystify what the sheriff role is which dates back hundreds of years and also let us know a little bit more about the uh, charity involvement that she has and the causes that she holds dear to her heart and how we can get involved and help uh, so that's just a wonderful um, uh, information half hour 40 minutes and then we've got the wonderful marissa fernandez marissa she has a language school in the town called bright owls uh, and she's been in the town i think she came across since she was uh, from spain when she was 16 uh, and she tells us tells us about her wonderful journey and she lets us know about what's dear to her in business and she provides a little bit of advice as well. So I can't wait for that one. Derry, we've got some awesome local talent from local artists, bands that have come together to provide us with music for our next episode. We have, we have. I tell you what, we are always so impressed about the local bands that come forward to support uh, In Tune and be part of it. Uh, and this week is no exception. We have got some fabulous, fabulous talent. And so I will tell you who we have got. Wow. We have got Ardem featuring Amy Owen and Kate Brown singing Broken Heart. We have got Without Warning, who were great. They were actually on our last show, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, I think they opened yeah. our last show. They're, they're great. I really, really enjoyed them. They've got uh, Here We Go Again. Uh, we have got Black Bear Kiss. They're a bit more rocky, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, yeah they are. Yeah, yeah. They're a get-up-and-dance kind yeah, of Yeah, you're going to jump around to Black Bear. You are. Yeah, Black Bear Kiss with When I Break. And then slowing the mood back down again, we've got Aaron Evans with Cigarette Daydreams. That's a bit more of a sort of um, folky, softer Very style. Thoughtful. Lovely yeah, voice, yeah. really nice voice, acoustic. Um, but to kick us off this time, we have got Samara Hills with Designer Dreams. Let's go. The Pretty Boys. But nobody chases me I got real pearls But nobody sees them They all want a fantasy We all feed into the illusion Like a philosophy that's made up to confuse us If you can't run 
Leather coats and plastic personalities My aspirations are higher But I'm not a pretty face So my hard work is teased We all be into the illusion Like a philosophy that was Samara Hills with her song Designer Dreams which was just that was fabulous really enjoyed it was that. just amazing it was a great way to kick the show off absolutely and if anyone wants to find out more about Samara they can find her on Instagram Twitter or Facebook Intune Radio have a host of advertising and sponsorship packages available to find out more contact us at info at intune-radio.co.uk or find out more on our website that's intune-radio.co.uk So on today's show we're really really pleased to have Victoria Hanbury Maiden with us. Hi there Victoria. Hi. Hiya. Hi. And Victoria is a charity consultant. She has over 14 years experience in the charity sector. She's worked with local, national and international charities in fundraising, marketing, operations and management. Wow. So, Victoria, please tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, thank you so much for that lovely introduction. Um, <laughs> yes, so, um, as you said, I've got a number of years experience in, in the charity sector um, and I came sort of into the sector sort of um, straight after after university, really. I was looking at different at different jobs and graduate schemes and things like that. And nothing really jumped out at me. And then I saw a job at Bernardo's. Um, and um, what I really loved about the idea of the job was it, it was it sort of um, gave you the opportunity to be really hands on. But also the element that you were working for an organization that really gives back. And you felt that I it felt less like I was a cog in a machine. I had a yeah. sort of more important part to play, if that if that makes sense. Um, so I my main role there, I had a couple of different roles, was with corporate partnerships. Um, so working with companies, um, which I really really love because I think there's a real real mutual benefit um, for for companies and charities to work together, which we which we can talk a little bit more about. Um, and then I worked for 
some smaller charities, international charities. I've done some freelance work. Um, and then most recently, um, I was the chief executive of a small children's charity based in um, Oswestry in Shropshire. Um, and then I took the plunge back into sort of self-employment, but full-time self-employment at the beginning of last year when I set up my consultancy work, um, which, um, yes, was a bit of a concern. because it was right. <laughs> Good timing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Easy. It was, I know. So it was right before uh, the pandemic <laughs> hit, literally a sort of three or four weeks. Um, oh, gosh. But I've been very lucky, actually, to be to be really, really busy. Um, and um, I've, I've really enjoyed it. And I think another part of my, um, there, were, there were personal reasons why I wanted to go back to being self-employed, but also mm. a key motivation for me was the variety. I really love working with a real variety of organisations. And as you said, I've got experience of, of different things. So fundraising, operations, um, you know, management, I've done some marketing as well. So being able to offer sort of different skills and not, not working in a specific role, um, especially from the larger charities, you can, you, you often work in, you're, you're quite sort of pigeonholed, you work in corporate partnerships or you work in um, you know, major giving or you work in challenge events or something like that. So mm-hmm. actually to be able to sort of um, support charities or give advice or direction on lots of different things, um, including even trustee governance and stuff like that is, is really exciting. Because I think with any organization, it's, you know, it's really important that people focus on the different areas, but actually it is about that wider picture and all yeah. of those different parts coming together, especially in a smaller organization. Um, and we've got so many fantastic charities in Shropshire. Um, and the majority of the organizations I work with are in Shropshire, although I, I do work with some um, further afield. But um, yeah, it's just fantastic to get to know so many um, fantastic organizations and, and people as well. It's all about the people, really. Mm. Excellent. I mean, as you said, you know, an absolutely diverse range of experience and skill sets and so on. Um, so you've got a lot to to give basically to the charity sector, and you can you can feel, almost feel the the passion and the warmth from you as well. So it's I think it's a, a marriage, isn't it? Really, in terms of what you want to do, your desires, you know, why are you here, sort of thing, you know, without going too like um, spiritual with everything. Um, you've really found your your place, and it sounds like you know you're really loving what you're doing and it's very encouraging that you you set up during a pandemic as well and um and things are working out for you it's it's testament to your to your skill set and your experiences oh that that's really really kind uh, it, it, yes i think i think as well you know it, it's a time when charities it was it was an unprecedented time for everybody isn't it um, but you know it's really lots of organizations um you know had to had to sort of closed down out there or couldn't continue to operate but with charities um the majority of charities are providing a service where actually there may have been an increase in demand um during the pandemic so at a time when there was a lot of uncertainty um and and certainly you know there is a big concern about lack of funds for the center for the sector um Mm. and things like that actually there's a massive increase in demand for the work that charities are doing so they didn't really have the option to just stop you know, um, you know, we, we've, I work with mental health charities. I know you had Tess, Bailey Slayer on last week from the Sea Change Trust. But yes. There's a massive increase in demand for, for organizations like that at the moment. Um, so it, you, as a charity, you're there to help. Your, your mission and your vision is, 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 is to help address 
any challenges and support people. So you really don't want to have to take a step back at a time when you feel that you need to be to be pushing ahead. So I think there's definitely been um, room for 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 me to be able to come in and support organisations, whether it be with fundraising or um, you know supporting their board of trustees and, and various things like that. And actually. I think what's really important as well is is looking at things strategically. It's yes. it's so easy to be to, to to react to a situation, and I, I think that was definitely the case at the beginning of last year. And then charities started to realise actually we need to really think about where we're focusing our energies. Maybe you know even if it's in the short to medium term, and and how we can um, adapt and change what we're doing. And I think the sector has responded incredibly well. It really has. You know, um, even in terms of things like digital which is not, you know, I think the sector has always been a little behind in that. And, and, you know, I've been to many conferences where we've talked about that. So I don't think I'm um, unfair in saying that. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't speak for every charity, but, but generally. Um, but actually, you know, charities have adapted so well, providing services online and doing things like that. And it's really testament to, to the sector. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. So... <laughs> I think we're all aware, you know, like any sector, as you've mentioned, the charities have been substantially hit financial shortfalls. What's your advice? What's your experience with those? I mean, you've mentioned that the charities are kind of, um, they've, they're moving on and they're taking advantage to some degree of being more strategic with their, uh, with their communications, with their marketing. So how do you feel things that need to evolve for charities what can people do how can they get involved um that's yeah that's a there's a few questions in there i think uh, yeah, so I'll, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, um, i like to I mean, ask all of my questions and then, in one fell and then <laughs> let you forget all of them apart from one so i mean obviously i'll um so just to give some i mean yeah you're exactly right and and there are there are ways that charities can can adapt and, and can try and ride this wave and, and things like that. Uh, just to give some context, it's estimated that there's a, a £10 billion loss for charities in the UK um, from the wow. start of the pandemic to now. So that's £10 billion. Oh. Um, and the government in their support last year gave £750 million. So if you think about the shortfall, the shortfall there, I mean, mm. of course, as I said, there, there are um, schemes that charities have, like any business or organization could have taken advantage of such as a furlough scheme however most charities actually needed to continue to operate furloughing all their staff at a time when their services were in demand wasn't necessarily something that 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 could happen so there were lots last year of charitable say charitable trusts and foundations and things like that that were um changing their criteria um, to give grants to charities um you know for loss of income or to support um adapting their services and going digital and things like that so there has there was a real scope I'd say last year um for for approaching organizations for grants and I think that was probably a real key focus of last year because of course so many charities raise funds through public fundraising events yes marathons other other fun runs and things like that that um and sponsorship um that there's that there was a real kind of um it's really difficult to think about things differently. And then of course we had lots of virtual events and things like that. So there was a real um, kind of flurry. And then I think a lot of those, you know, we all, (laughs) we all got a bit fatigued with doing things. The novelty (laughs) does, does wear off. Um, But it's, it's interesting because I I was reading a lot of surveys last year and um, 
there was actually um, the likelihood to give with the general public actually increased by 12% across all age groups last year. Oh, so really? I think, yeah, and I think oh. that people were really um, seeing the, the need for charities, um, you know, A, the, the, the lack of income that they were receiving at this time because of because of all these cuts, but actually um, the services they provide and the re, uh, and the increase of those services. If you think of things like food banks as well at this time, yes, you know yes, things like yeah. that. Um, when we're all maybe struggling, it's charities that often step in and, and help. And what was really interesting was um, there was seven hundred percent growth in new donors in the eighteen to twenty four age group. Wow. So there was a real um, sort of growth in that area. And also a lot of organizations, uh, sort of a lot of individuals supporting organizations that helped locally as well. Um, so, again, it could be the national charities, but they were often in, sort of inspired by work that was happening in their local area. Yes. And I think a lot of that happened off the back of, you know, especially last year, we were, there was a real sense of coming together with your community and with your neighborhood, wasn't there? And I think this, yes. there still is, but especially at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, um, I know my where I live um, in Shrewsbury, we now have a, um, a Facebook group for the local area. We have a, a WhatsApp group for the street. And those were set up originally for supporting each other. But actually, they've continued and we've got to know yeah, people yeah. in a different way. So I think there's a real sense of understanding maybe more the impact that charities can have locally. Um, and I think for charities, it, it's, it's thinking about all these things. Um, so it's thinking about how to communicate messages on a local level as well as a as well as a national level it's thinking about any new donors that might be be coming to the charity because of new virtual events or because mm -hmm. they have an affiliation with the cause um, or be, just because they feel that be, you know they now want to do something or they have more time to yeah, do something yeah, yeah. it's not just about giving money it can be about volunteering your time or helping with collections and things like that so for me i think it's really important for, for charities to think um, of all the different ways that they can engage with people. Um, and, you know, as you said, I think, Wayne, communicating messages and, and, and is, is so important. And I think it can be, charities can find it hard to be vulnerable and say, look, we really need money, you know. Uh, and, and actually, that's a message that a lot of organizations historically shy away from. They communicate the, the impact of giving money um so this is the difference your money will make but actually a lot of people last year were actually responding to organizations saying look we need money we won't be able to continue without money so mm. some of the messaging has actually shifted in that mm. way mm. um but i've always been a big believer and i think it's it's um it's, it's been so important in the last year for charities to really diversify income streams you know so a lot of charities, when, when smaller charities set out, raise money predominantly through one area. So it might be charitable trusts and foundations, or it might be a specific group of donors, or it might be through um, public fundraising events. Because when you're a small organization, you don't have the resources to, to do all the different things that, that a large right. organization yeah. might have. But actually, what you need is that real mix of different things, because in a situation like last year where one one area gets hit actually what you need is to be able to really focus and grow on other areas so so those are some of the tips that that i would suggest yeah i think it's really interesting isn't it darren because um i think like any um uh, sector you would have to reflect on who your target market is and where are they and what they're doing and actually 
you know, a lot of the target market for many companies, never mind uh, charities as well, of course, they have got time on their hands. They're more at home, aren't they? And, and they're probably online a lot more. Uh, I know at the start of COVID, the stats for people being online just kind of went through the roof because, you know, people were just not at work and and, and there's lockdown, you know. So, so Darren, there's, there's quite a lot of things to consider, isn't there? There certainly is. And, and the other thing I was going to say is um, that, that businesses often want to give to charities. I mean, yes. are you finding, though, that nowadays because businesses are worried about their own, you know, their own business and their own money worries, that, that businesses are not quite so, um, uh, you know, supportive of charities? Or are, is that still the case? Um, and also, how do they go about how do they go about it if they do want to, to support a charity? What's their sort of steps? I think there. I think I. I. I think charities. Certain companies are certainly still giving to charities and are still supporting charities, and it's a really important part of their corporate social responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, so I think um, you know, obviously, charity companies had to respond to to things last year and, and do things internally. Um, so there might have been a little pause last year where things perhaps weren't 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 moving forwards and it, maybe at quite the speed that they had done historically. But then I worked with lots of companies last year who did online virtual challenge events and things like that. And it was a way of bringing their teams together, actually, yes. at a time yeah, right, when right. for the first time they <laughs> might not be sat in an office together. Mm. So having a key focus of um, a joint fundraising event that could take place virtually, a quiz that they could all do for, together and raise money for charities was actually was actually really, really important. Um, and it gave them an opportunity to speak about some of the things that their company was doing outside of talking predominantly about COVID as well. So, Victoria, if a business is um, thinking of uh, doing some fundraising, like you were saying that, um, you know, that their employees might actually quite like to, to do some kind of fundraising event because it would also help their morale of the business as well. Um and but they really haven't got a clue what to do. Can they contact you and find out what charities need help? What kind of uh, fundraising that they can they can do? I mean, I'd be yes, I'd be very happy to have that that sort of discussion with with any company. Um, I obviously work with a number of charities, um, but I'm also you know um, I've, as I said, I've worked through corporate fundraising and 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 worked with some companies as well on that side of things. So I'm very happy to I'm always happy to have a conversation. I like having a chat, um, <laughs> so I'm very happy and to signpost or just to sort of come together and, and discuss some ideas as well. Um, I think. There's so many things that, that companies can do. And, you know, um, money is always important, but it's not just about it's not just about money. Um, and I think, as we said, it's it, there's so many benefits to a company, um, staff morale um, being one of them, um, mm -hmm. you know, sort of positive PR as well is, mm -hmm. is, is another one. Um, and also, you know, that sense that actually you are doing something to help mm -hmm. um, to help a local community, whether that's a local community geographically or a group of people. Um, and that's so important. But I think as well, there are so many skills that um, companies can really give to charity. Of course, yeah. Right, um, yeah. So, you know, and whether that's sort of down the traditional volunteering route, you know, that's less easy at the moment because, you know, we can't necessarily get hands on and, and do stuff, um, you know, where we can go into buildings and, and, and do that sort of, do you know, painting and decorating and all that practical stuff. Mm. There's lots of things that can happen um, remotely and, and virtually. Um, and I think especially for smaller charities that maybe the majority of their staff or their, you know, their team, whether it's 
paid employees or volunteers might be on the ground working with the the beneficiaries or um, providing services. They don't always have such a a big sort of office staff base where there's Mm -hmm. lots of fundraisers or marketing people or, um, you know, um, finance people or anything like that, really. I mean, every charity is supported by a board of trustees, so they bring some fantastic skills. But but what what organisations often need is... um, even if it, you know, whether it's sort of hands-on support or whether it's just some advice really would, would be, would be amazing. You know, I know lots of charities who are going through, um, looking at their marketing, looking at their branding, um, you know, and actually just having a conversation with somebody who could signpost them in the right direction for what it is they actually might benefit from. Um, you know, not everyone, and I completely appreciate this, has the time to give lots of their time for free um, or to offer all their services for free. And that's completely understandable. But, you know, some advice is often is often so important. And mm. there are places charities can go for funding for certain things. And actually, if if, if a company is able to offer advice and direction, that's something they can build into a, a funding bid or, yeah, or a yeah. So I think there's there's so many there's so many things, and obviously it's not just through companies. We can volunteer our time as as individuals out, outside of the world of, of work as well. Um, and I know some companies do give their their employees time to volunteer, so it's worth having having that sort of conversation as well. But you know, I know charities who are currently looking for some for, for volunteers to do research for them to research. Um, funding um trust and foundations they can apply to for funding to Mm. go through lists and things like that and they'll give them criteria because that takes so much time and Mm. um it's often time that that charities just don't have and and so anybody you know there's lots of different ways that you can help um and i think if you can offer up that time and and again i'm happy to have a conversation about that and and consider how someone's skills might help might help charities um you know there's so much that people can do um and I think it's just sort of it's often about thinking outside the box it's you know and not just sort of going mm-hmm. down the typical route of of what's out there but really really thinking this is what I might be able to offer and then finding that yes. right organization who'd be able to to really utilize your skills because there will be one there will be a charity out there we've all got <laughs> skill. we've all got we've all got a skill that we could we could give I'm sure I think um, what sprung to my mind is is definitely the creative thought in in you know um, what you can do and how you can do it, but I think also as we're coming out of lockdown three, um, hopefully, <laughs> and um, and COVID, it becomes a slight thing of the past. We've got to think about what's happening on the high street. We've got to think about what's happening in people's businesses. Uh, and, and charities are, are there at grassroots level, aren't they, within communities to help, where governments and local councils just aren't going to be able to, to offer a, a, a leaning hand or a, or, or a push up the ladder, if you like. So there's probably great scope for um, for charities to innovate, you know, diversify, and maybe for people out there who are listening to the show to think, actually, they have so much to give and they would much now rather work in a charity, set up their own charity or, or so on. Yeah, I mean, that's that's certainly the, that's certainly true. And I think, you know, and whether it's something that you want to do as part of your, your job or whether it's uh, time that you want to give. I mean, there's so many charities looking for for charity trustees, for example, um, you know, people, people to help drive the, the direction of the organisation. But I think you're right. I think... You know, I think we'd we'd probably all be surprised at actually how you know 
ourselves or someone in our family may have benefited or used utilize the services of a, of a charity and yes um actually sometimes it's it's not till you've done that that you actually really appreciate the the work that the organizations that organizations do i mean the i think the official statistic is that there are just under 170,000 charities in, in the uk and, wow. and they're all responding to a need and a need that hasn't been fulfilled from 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 elsewhere in 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 society really um and i think you're right i think there's there's new ways that that we we do need to think of how we can support charities, local businesses, so many organisations in different ways. But I also think there's maybe a chance for more collaboration, um, mm-hmm. whether that's between different sectors, companies and businesses, or charities themselves. Really, um, it's something I've been thinking out about for a long time. Is is also charities themselves skill sharing and working working together? You know, if you have we have a num so many sort of small to medium sized charities in the county. Um, but actually um, putting on some joint fundraising events. And I know there has been some of this, but I think lots of things like that. And then offering a joint package to a company who might like to sponsor that event or, or get involved yes. or a number of companies. So really people, the idea of people coming together to, to, to support, you know, a few different organizations and, and all, and all pull together and pull in resources as well. Um, I think that's, that's such an important thing. And I think that's something I'd like to try and encourage more or see more of. Um, as I said, whether that's within the charity sector itself or or across different sectors, really. Amazing. I must admit, that is really interesting. A very good point you're saying about, you know, if you are a small charity and, and like you say, you need to be having, you know, your branding, your marketing, you've got your fundraising and, and to think, oh, you, you've, you know, you've got to find all these people. But yeah, like you say, if they actually... Um, got together with another, you know, perhaps even not a similar charity, but another charity. And yeah, just exactly. That's the word. That's the word. Thank you. Thank you. I work work in brand and marketing. I work, you know. Yeah, a strategic strategic alliance. I work as a voiceover artist. Oh, yes, quite. (laughs) (laughs) You're award winning now, Darren. I know, I know. (laughs) Not to say strategic. Too busy polishing the cup. That's the thing. Uh, But yeah, I I, I wouldn't have, have thought that. I think that's a really, really good idea and really good advice Um, and also the fact you're making that I think people do generally think that that giving to charity is putting their hand in their pocket I think a lot of people think like that yes and to actually point out that you've got skills everyone's got skills of some sort and that even if they can just give a little bit of time um or or reach out to you know a charity that they that they like the or, sound or, or someone like victoria who can help to, you know uh, contact with local smaller charities that are desperate absolutely desperate for people to help them well i mean that's the thing because all of these things cost money you know so all of the things that we've discussed today and 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 you know whether it's spending time researching something or whether it's talking about branding or whether it's talking about social media or whether it's talking about strategy you know all of these things um cost money um and so the more that people can help reduce that side of the of the cost for a charity means that you know they can reach a greater audience and that they can actually put more money in, into into the work so i mean obviously money is really important too but actually it's about um how to best sort of um harness everyone's sort of skills and things to then sort of kind of help that push outwards really yeah Yeah, exactly exactly and I mean you know obviously I work with with charities but I always I'm always happy to have a chat you know and because actually sometimes what what we think we need or what an organization thinks they need 
is not what they need. And actually, you know, it's, some, it's something slightly different. And yeah. I'm always happy. Um, I think I said what I love is a variety and talking to different organizations. So I'm always happy to have a bit of a brainstorm and think, well, actually, you know, maybe you don't need someone to come and do that. What you need first is, is a bit of this. Um, and, and I can point you in the right direction. Or is there a way that that can be achieved? Um, so, yeah, I think you're right. G- giving, giving time and giving expertise and skills is, is, is really valuable. Thank you, Victoria. As you can hear, Victoria has a wealth of information. So whether you're a, a business looking to get involved in the charitable sector or whether you want to volunteer some time uh, and whether you want to find out some of the smaller charities that are desperate for uh, support, then you can get in contact with Victoria through her web- website, which is vhmcharityconsultancy.com. Victoria, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure and we hope to speak to you again soon. Oh, thank you so much, Wayne and Darren. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you today. I've really enjoyed it. So have we. Thanks very much. Thank you. Intune Radio have a host of advertising and sponsorship packages available. To find out more, contact us at info at intune-radio.co.uk or find out more on our website. That's intune-radio.co.uk. Welcome back. Next up, we've got Black Bear Kiss with When I'm Break. And you can find Black Bear in all the usual um, social media settings, Spotify, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Let's go, Black Bear Kiss.
moment began we there you know i'm counting on you but this funny Today we're joined by Dean Harris, the High Sheriff of Shropshire. Uh, Dean, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Can you tell us a little bit more about, um, well, demystify what the High Sheriff of Shropshire does for us? Okay, thank you. Very nice to be with you. Um, well, the, the High Sheriff is actually uh, a, the oldest um, secular office next to the monarch. It's actually been around 1,100 years. Wow. But it's fair to say we've not done a particularly good job of keeping people informed as to, to what we're about. Um, back in, I've tried to change that by the power of social media this year, but yes. um, back in the day, I would have been responsible for collection and return of taxes to the Crown. And I would have been the king's keeper of the peace in the county. So I could have commanded a posse to um, keep people out, basically, of Shropshire. Um, <laughs> that's changed now, thank goodness. Oh, can't you uh, get a posse anymore? I can raise a posse. I am still legally entitled to. Um, and there possibly have been some times over the last 12 months that we might have needed one. But um, <laughs> anyway, I've I restrained. Uh, so it's very much now about a ceremonial... Um, and community type role. Uh -huh. Still integral to that is supporting the judiciary and the Crown. Those are two integral elements to, to, to what we do. But it's also uh, really, as I say, ceremonial, charitable and community focus, and really um, making a valid contribution to the county and supporting and encouraging, there's quite a long list, the judiciary, emergency services, voluntary sector, Crown, as I've said, anything to do with crime prevention, the different faith groups, and our two local authorities. So that's the, the broad brush, um, but you can very much make it your own. So we don't have a blueprint. Uh -huh. It's, um, I mean, I've taken um, quite a proactive role. Um, I've been, said that there's a lot of flexibility in there, but th those are the, the crucial elements. But then in addition, I've um, chosen to focus on three aspects as well, given yes. that I've got the platform, which is domestic abuse, child poverty and deprivation and addiction. Um, three, three areas that I'm quite passionate about. Uh, and because of the work I do in the court system, uh, I, I see the, the impact of these every day in the county. So uh, I've spent quite a lot of my year focusing on those, those areas as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how did you actually be, how does say one become high sheriff? But I mean, obviously it was, uh, uh, do you apply for it? Does, is it? Is it offered to you because of the position you, you, you have or, you know? Yes, it's, um, it's a voluntary position. So we don't receive any funding or remuneration. No. And it's actually, you are nominated for it. So right. um, based on the work I've done in the court, my, my voluntary work as a magistrate in the courts, mm -hmm. um, a previous high sheriff, deemed that I would be suitable 
And so they put me forward to the nomination panel um, four years, you know, four years in advance that you are going to uh, come to this role. It does have to go through the process of being approved by Her Majesty and things as well. But you you certainly know that you're in the running so you can um, start to do some prep and uh, find out, you know, a little bit more about your county and things like that and just try and formulate a plan of some description. So uh, that's how I came came to do it. Um, I mean, they are quite keen that they try and make it um, more open and sort of a, a more open to, to everybody, really, the role, in so much as they, they don't want it to be a stereotypical, just, you know, back in the day, it would have been the landed gentry and certain um, yes, yeah. you know, titled individuals. So they are more about diversity and things now, mm-hmm. um, which I presume is why, why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Fascinating. So um, you mentioned like your your three core beliefs, uh, if you like, your you know what 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 you want to kind of spend some of your high sheriff time working on, and um, do you want to touch on those a little bit further? Yeah, um, I mean, I can I can reel the stats off to you, but uh, and, and some of them are I mean they are shocking. But I, I was quite keen that you know Shropshire is a beautiful county without shadows yes. of a doubt, and it's Absolutely. got a lot to offer. We can't take that away from it. It's you know employment opportunities. I know not things aren't so good at the moment, but um, <clears throat> leisure, tourism, education. You know, it, it's got it all really. Um, but we have still got quite a diverse and complex uh, range of social issues, and. Um, I think it was important to, to raise those because you're very fortunate if any three of these issues don't touch your world, but it doesn't mean that they're not going on. Mm-hmm. So again, we, we've all heard domestic abuse stats, um, you know, pre-COVID, but certainly post-COVID, um, things have got horrendous. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I wanted to demystify that really and mm-hmm. just raise public awareness. And the same with addiction. I think it's important that we we break down some of the stereotypical views people have of addicts when in reality they are exactly like you or I. Um, you know, it, addiction doesn't um, discriminate. It, it doesn't, you know, it can be male, female, uh, young, old. Uh, it, it doesn't make any difference. Um, so I've been working quite hard on, on those two areas. And then the child poverty and deprivation is, is quite a, a tricky area to have any impact on, um, you know, one of the things with being high sheriff, you're not allowed to get political, and I'm, I'm very conscious of that. Mm-hmm. But the three areas I'm talking about, because they are social issues, you are forced to um, have conversations with local, the local government, the two local authorities, about what their provision is in those areas. So um, that's been quite interesting from my point of view. But also, you know, a lot of people are still somewhat unaware of the significance of... Um, or the amount of poverty that we've got in in the county mm-hmm. um, officially, uh, according to the Children's Society, it's actually a third of all children living in our county. Wow. Living in county which, That's really uh, high. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think people tend to forget. You know, as I said, it, it's a beautiful county, but we have got some of the uh, most deprived areas in, and they're actually in the top ten percent nationally. Are in Shropshire. Um, okay. So that's quite astounding it is yeah i mean one good thing is is with covid obviously the um there's been a lot more stuff in the media about those three areas so aware public awareness has been raised Mm -hmm. um and you know if you think of the the marcus rashford and and the digital divide and things like that to do with the um deprivation at least we can see words turning into some actions uh, Mm -hmm. which, which is fantastic 
Uh, we've, we've still got a long way to go when it comes to domestic abuse, obviously. But um, I think we've got to have a, quite a significant societal change. Uh, and we've got to really look at making abusers uh, accountable and, and stop sort of saying to the victims, why did you stay? And things like that. Really, we've got to have a, a you know, complete turnabout on, on our attitude to domestic abuse, really. So all I can do in, in my year it is raise awareness um you know joining in any forums that i can uh and, and just keep going on about it to, to make people you know realize that they've got a responsibility really to um you know if you see something or you're unsure about something or you're concerned about something in any of these arenas then take action don't just sit back and assume somebody else will do something about it mm. we really do need to be more proactive really mm. so, I mean, if um, I mean, uh, some of our sort of today's show, uh, if we're, we're talking about sort of a love of charities and, and, and giving uh, out. Um, and if businesses are um, looking for charities to be able to uh, to help, not necessarily with money, but I mean, perhaps with their skills, uh, etc. Um, are there any particular charities involved in, in the county with, um, as I say, with the uh, uh, any of those three? Yes, I mean, mean, I have to say, I I was, um, I'd not really got heavily involved into the the third sector, the charity and and, uh, community group sector Mm -hmm. until this last year. I've always been on the fringe of it. Mm -hmm. But I've been absolutely astounded by um, how integral the and and the amount of services that are provided by charity organisations in Shropshire. Um, It really is. I mean, what they, they contribute so much to the fabric of our society. So that's been a, a learning curve for me to, to get involved in that sector. Um, you know, that tiny, tiny little, you know, four or five person organisations doing amazing things. But when it comes to these three areas, and, I, and I've um, purposely focused on local charities, so not, not national. Yeah. Um, we've got Shop to Domestic Abuse Services doing great work in the county. Um, we've also got West Mercy Women's Aid, again, both focusing on um, domestic abuse. We've also got a small charity uh, called PEGS, which again, they're involved in domestic abuse, but it's to do with, instead of the usual intimate partner abuse that you think of, they focus very much on um, child-to-parent abuse, which is uh, little known, quite misunderstood, and often very hidden side of the domestic abuse um, problem we've got. So again, I've I've worked with those, um, Mm -hmm. and we've got... um, those are probably the main ones that we're working with. I mean, Citizens Advice do do some work as well with um, domestic abuse, but it's those those are the primary organisations in the county. And then again, with addiction, we've got um, a lot of collaboration going on in Telford and Reekin with some amazing organisations. We've got um, TACT, A Better Tomorrow, to name but two, um, who do fantastic work. We've also got Recharge over there, and they all tend to work. They're very much peer orientated organisations so people will always have lived experience um, in the Shropshire area because obviously these these um, these are commissioned separately so when I even though I'm high sheriff of Shropshire the geographic county one or two things that I've been looking at I've had to obviously get involved with the the two separate um, side, sides of the county um, which has been interesting and, and can be tricky sometimes as well because it does mean you, you do have to duplicate but but there are, you know, different approaches to things is the other thing that you have to bear in mind as well. So mm. um, Shropshire works very much with um, Shropshire Recovery Partnership, which is really uh, we are with you. 
uh, that's the name of the organisation. And again, they deal with um, young people and adults um, encountering addiction problems. Um, those, that's the key one in Shropshire. And then the child poverty and deprivation is, as I said, is always a, a difficult area. Um, we've got various, uh, we've got the Children's Society doing some work around mental health in the county. Um, we've got, obviously you, you can take it as wide as you want, you've got uh, food banks and uh, food hubs doing doing amazing work there. Mm-hmm. Um, schools themselves are, are having to step up and get increasingly involved in the social uh, issues with, with children and things. So um, that, that's really been the most difficult uh, area to have any impact on in, in the single year. Wow. I mean, there's just so much going on that you, that you just, you know, unless well, you're listening to something like this, you probably wouldn't actually understand that, you know, these three areas are just so uh, ingrained with uh, today's society. We walk past, you know, uh, even though it's lockdown, you know, you're going to be walking past families, children, they're experiencing these issues. And then there are so many wonderful charities out there, as you say, that may only be a handful of people, but they're doing fantastic needed work. Yeah. How, do, how do people go about kind of um, contacting them? Maybe they want to volunteer, help? Uh, do they need a specific skill set maybe um and also if they're i suppose if they're um living with uh, issues themselves to to become brave and and to reach out i would imagine that the first step is probably one of the most difficult how do you uh, have you got any advice for anyone that's that's in that position maybe i mean i i'm no authority under domestic abuse i mean it is a passion of mine but i think um it's the fact that you know, it is difficult to reach out. Uh, a, a lot of survivors, victims, whichever word you, you prefer to use, um, are in, in constant fear. And yes. I think that's the, the thing that, that we've got to bear in mind. So, uh, you know, as I said before, the, the, the constant, why don't you just leave? Why don't you do that? The, the, the ramifications are so massive. Um, it, it's just incomprehensible. And also a lot of these people are being coercively controlled, um, you know, they, they've completely lost their confidence and um, ability to even function and focus in, in the way that, that, that we would think. So it's, it is difficult, um, even if you can't reach out to a, an organisation. And, you know, a lot of people won't want to get the police involved again because the, the you know, the, the um, kickback that could possibly come from that with their, their partner. Um, the, the thing that they, if they could even just talk to a friend and start the ball rolling, that, that can help. But again, you know, there is a massive part of this that it's a secret. They are told mm. that they will suffer the consequences if anybody finds out. Mm. Uh, and, and the other thing is, is you know, the, co- the issues of coercive control. Some people don't even realise what is happening to them. Right. So it, it, it's a real difficult um, area. Um, yes, there is help out there, but I do not underestimate how, how difficult it is to reach out. I mean, we've got the new Ask Annie uh, initiative that was launched with the uh, various chemists so that people can go into the pharmacy, go to the counter and ask and say that they want to ask Annie um, and that person will then be taken behind the counter and whatever they want to happen, whether they want the police to be called or whether they just want to talk to somebody or they need signposting. So that's a good initiative that started. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the other things is that we're trying to get some work done with um, our doctor's practices in the county so that they're all educated uh, frontline staff as well about domestic abuse so that they can um, 
maybe look for the signs and maybe start a conversation, which means that you know a, a victim or a survivor would would feel comfortable to open up a little bit. Um, but it, you know, I, I don't think there's an easy answer out there from that point of view. When it comes to um, volunteering, which is what we, we were talking about, yeah, uh, there are a lot of there are a lot of opportunities out there. But I can't deny it is extremely difficult. You think Google's got the answer to everything? Um, <laughs> it, it hasn't in Shropshire when it comes to volunteering. Let me let me tell you. So one of the things we we're working on at the moment is some way to. Um, manage the the volunteers who want to do something no matter how big or small that is or how professional it is or how regular it is with the needs that, that there are across the the, the county and we, the idea would be a one-stop shop so that you just google you know volunteering in in Shropshire um slash Tufton Reakin um mm-hmm. and you go to one website and it's all there and it all should be so simple so that's that would be me in my ideal world will have that yeah, but it's quite it's quite disparate at the moment. So we we need to do some some work around that, which which is going on with various parties. Um, realistically, I think when it comes to volunteering, you've got to find something that you're passionate about, and um, obviously feel that you can make a difference. But it's fair to say that if the at the moment the best way would be to approach organisations directly. You can come to the high sheriff because I get. Um, Talk, people talk to me all of the time about needing volunteering opportunities, and I do do quite a lot of posts on social media. If anybody does do does want some some support, mm-hmm. so again, by all means, uh, you know, I'm, I'm quite happy to point somebody in the right direction. But you might your first protocol would be to find the relevant organisation and just ask them directly. Um, and don't be thinking that you've got to commit, you know, weeks and months or whatever. I think the the community and voluntary um, sector are now more realising they've got to be more flexible, particularly if they want to attract younger people um, to, to do in volunteering. I mean, I think it's traditionally always been seen as a older, retired person sort of area. But mm. there's some fantastic stuff going on in the county. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of, lot of people constantly needing um, skills that come from the business sector that that you can you can offer up to, to various organisations. So there's a lot of work can can be done around that. So I haven't got one you know just go on this website that solves the problem. No, right, it's not yeah, like that, yeah. but but fingers crossed um, if if that if we could make some inroads to to smartening it up and making it easier for people because people just get disillusioned if you're not careful and just think oh I won't bother. It's just mm. too yeah. complicated. Yeah. Find who and I think me. And nowadays people do, as you say, you know, they, they do go on Google and, and type in whatever it is they're looking for. And if you don't get an answer, however, uh, you know, how, however keen they might be to, to, to volunteer or look into it, if it's a, if it, it's difficult to do that, you know, you, you put in volunteering Shropshire and nothing really comes back. Uh, that would make such a difference if it, if it was a lot easier. I can, mm. I can you know, find it. Yeah, it sounds like you almost need a, a directory, don't you, of, um, of charities and if there's some kind of volunteer availability um, that people can uh, contact them. I mean, it doesn't need mm. to be overly complex. At the, you know, you could build so, into it different functions, but, um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, we're talking about, to me, it's, it's a, like a matching process, really. Mm. You know, I, mm. I can, for example, you know, I don't know, if you're interested in, in doing something to do with animals and you can give a, you know, four hours a week or the last Wednesday in the month or whatever it is, uh, and then just, you know, sort of like a job matching type thing. But also, um, looking at it from the other point of view, a, a lot of organisations, um, you know, what is it that they need support for? So if you talk about the actual... Um, 
charity voluntary sector what do they need um and it's not just i think we've, we've talked about this i've talked about this quite a lot recently which is it's not just about money um yeah. although money has its place yeah, yeah, and it's it, important. Does, it does make the world go round let's remember <laughs> but, um you know there, there is some onus on on the third sector to be a little bit more creative about thinking what they want so do they need some help with social media do they need some help with finance do they need some help with legals and compliance and all those nasty bits of the business that we tend to you know quite often can get forgotten um, but are vital mm. so again if they could be a bit more creative thinking what do I need do I just need a business critical friend what is it um, or is it just some storage space or is it some printing facilities or anything mm, like that mm, so mm. Um, again if they can think like that and then with the number of organizations we've got in Shropshire most uh, companies businesses have less than 10 employees in the county so it's not going to be practical for them to be handed out, not always, uh, thousands of pounds left, right and centre. Mm -hmm. But they might be able to physically do something. Um, you know, as I say, you know, you might have Dave in, in accounts can give two hours a month helping somebody out with their spreadsheets or give some support on social media or anything. So I think independently, both sectors need to just have a or would benefit from having to think about, um, right, how can we make this work? And then if we can then sort of cross pollinate and put them two together mm. by um, some means, uh, that, then that would be wonderful. So that we've got it just a bit more joined up in the county. And I think we really would see, A, I think we'd, um, we would attract uh, more people than, than the norm. You would have younger people who don't even really contemplate the thought of what is CSR, corporate social responsibility, doesn't sort of not, we hear about it a lot. And a lot of people think it's over big organisations or it's just a, american thing or it's a, a fad um but if you think about it in its wider sense um it really can make a difference to the to the community as a whole uh, yeah. and also just make people far more aware of what's going on locally so um i'm, I'm quite keen that we, we I, I will keep banging this drum um, you should yeah quite yeah. It's yeah fantastic so, Intune Radio have a host of advertising and sponsorship packages available. To find out more, contact us at info at intune-radio.co.uk or find out more on our website, that's intune-radio.co.uk. So we'll be right back with Dean after we hear from one of our uh, local talents. This is a fantastic singer. It's for more of a sort of folky kind of laid back vibe. And this is Aaron Evans with Cigarette Daydreams. If you want to find out more about him, you can find him on Facebook, Spotify and YouTube. She was sitting all alone looking for a friend All of the whiskey for the weekend Tipping back time after time, tear in her eye She was looking for a guy to treat her with respect A hopeless high school reject The final hope to get better and feel alright Last night she had a dream Of a bonfire summer scene With a whispered smile, a heart I ain't never felt love like this See on something with a little kiss It's just cigarette daydreams Hoping that tomorrow goes better I ain't ever shot for the stars But a guy sure broke 
I've lived in Shropshire four years, find it absolutely amazing. Everyone's been incredibly welcoming. So as a tourist destination, um, particularly when the sun's out and the river's winding, it's a lovely place to come and visit, is it not? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm, as I, I'm, I'm not originally from Shropshire either. I, I came uh, via South Wales and then uh, the Black Country, arrived in Shropshire about 25 years ago. Uh, love it, consider it home and don't want to live anywhere else. And I've been quite privileged that um, during my year in office, as soon as uh, lockdown was released, I made it my mission to get out and about across the county. And I think we had a, something like a 16 date, um, a list of towns, or 16 dates that I was out and about across visiting all sorts of towns, um, you know, north, south, east and west, uh, and was very, you know, they, they were very much welco- welcomed. Um, Two reasons. Uh, one was to um, get out and see what what really is there, out there for, from a tourism point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I went to places a I'd never been to before, but also places maybe I hadn't been for over twenty years because we all just you know get into um, life uh, and, and tend to forget to, to get out and about in the locale. So that was fantastic. But I also got to see um, some of the business community, what's going on out there, 
how COVID had affected them, but also I got to meet um, volunteers and people doing good in their community as well. So yeah, yeah. Um, I got quite a, a sort of um, a broad mix mix of uh, things that I got to see out and about, which was fantastic. And yes, Shropshire, there is so much to do. Um, and it's it's not just, you know, that there's... Um, there's obviously the, the, the foodie side of things. There's the history side of things. Um, that there's activities and there's there's new ideas and and things coming on stream all of the time. So we've still got an awful lot to offer. And um, one thing I've promised myself is once once I'm finished in off in office, um, I will go back to quite a few of the towns and, and just you know spend the odd Saturday lunching or yeah, mooching yeah. or whatever we do. So. Um, again it, it's it's just been fantastic and you're right what you know once once we get the sun out again um then, then you know you wouldn't want to be anywhere else really to be quite honest mm. I mean of course when we are say, eventually let out uh I I think obviously people will not be able to travel abroad as they did mm-hmm. but the fact that they can't they will start uh you know looking around them and and seeing what we do have in our beautiful uh you know our beautiful county and uh and hopefully that will give more opportunities for uh you know local businesses that they will you know it's going to be hard but but mm. slowly uh you know recover again because of the fact that there will be you know more um you know people in the county actually realizing what a beautiful county we have and the opportunities that are within it absolutely i think i mean once once confidence comes back then then we you know it, it's not as if we we've got something fantastic to sell so it's not as if we're on the back foot really mm-hmm. um there are some you know we, we use the term sort of hidden gem quite quite a lot particularly in shropshire but but there are you know it, if you think of um the the as i say that you've got the food benefits to things you've got new um types of um accommodation coming online all of the time so you know we've got the the glamping side of things we've we've got you know some really nice hotels across the, the place we've got caravan parks we've got all of those things so there's something for every sort of yeah. budget um and you know you are the gateway to wales so that the key thing is to make sure that we get people to stop um, before yes. they do yeah. you know th- th- don't keep going stop in Shropshire <laughs> yes. first yeah. you can go to Wales as well but stop in Shropshire first please yeah um and but it's you know it's the vastness that's the other thing you need to remember it's an you know it's enormous county um which has its you know there's positives and negatives to that but you know you can find um the the difference is is it's you know you, you get a different uh take on things there's a, there's a different uh th- there's just so much around that that we can offer uh, I think that that's crucial. So I think the once once as you say once we come out of lockdown, um, I think there'll be some work going on with the, the local authorities as well that they, and, and the the left and and so on. They'll be quite keen to to showcase what what we've really got to offer in the county. Mm-hmm. Mm. So Dean, uh, you're coming up to your end of your year in office. I think in April. Is that correct? That's right. Yes, I think it's the eighth of April. Um, it's just been a, a bizarre year for, for you know for, for everybody. I appreciate, but um, you know, I took office. I think it was two weeks after the first lockdown started, and I'll obviously be finishing office possibly just as we're going to be let out a little bit. Yeah. So um, I'm trying not to take it personally, but um, <laughs> yes, it's. Uh, I mean, a lot of people have commiserated and said, "Oh, you know, it's been awful this year to, to be in office." But I have to say, it really hasn't. I mean, I've got a, a completely different take on it. In so much as I'm honoured to have had the platform and the opportunity um, to, to help try and make a difference in the county. 
Um, and I've managed to achieve most of what I wanted to. And in fairness, I've probably done more than I would have done in a normal year by the, by the power of Zoom and Teams. Yes. Uh, you know, the, the reality of being able to have five meetings a day, mm-hmm. um, virtual meetings, it, it has just been amazing. So I've been able to make good use of my time, uh, which, which has been really beneficial. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's been interesting, the whole the Zoom thing with top half dressing and Aaron to cats, <laughs> dogs and children joining in um, and the constant you are on mute. Uh, those the, the words that must have been the three words that must have been used most in the last 12 months. Isn't it? But, well, can um, you hear me? Can you hear me? Are you it, there? Yes, yeah, yeah. It's, it's quite, quite amusing. But um, yeah, I mean, that, that's changed forever. Um, and, and that will impact when I, you know, go back to the, the real world, um, which is back into uh, business. We've got our own business consultancy. Um, I've still been involved in the business, but maybe not in, in such a great uh, on such a great level. So I'll be going back into that. I also will go back to sitting in court, which I've obviously had twelve months off from sitting uh-huh. in magistrates' court, uh, family and and criminal. Mm-hmm. Which I have to say, of all the years to have off, uh, I'm quite glad because obviously it's, there's been um, a difficult environment, a lot of IT stuff to get sorted. Um, but yeah, hopefully um, I'll just get that law be the worst of it will be over by the time I get back to court. And then it's back into work. Um, still, I'll still be involved with some of the causes that I've uh, picked up during the 12 months. And certainly um, my passion for the three causes that I've talked about uh, has not diminished in any way. So again, I'd like to continue as far as possible uh, being a, an, an ambassador uh, for those in the county. Um, yes, my, my successor, who's uh, Tony Morris-Eyton, will take over on the 9th of April. So we've got a, I have a legal service, which is uh, a church service, where normally we would have all of the uh, pomp and ceremony. We'd have all the judges, we'd have all the mayors wow. um, all coming to process uh, through, through the town. Uh, and then we'd have a church service and then it's uh, invited dignitaries, friends, family, then there'd be tea and buns all around and, and what have you, yeah. which is always a wonderful, wonderful thing. Yeah. Unfortunately, that won't be happening this year. Mm. It will now be a, a virtual service. So, but I will let everybody actually have the, the link to that. So in some ways, the positives are, um, you know, a lot more people will be able to see what, what goes on. But then uh, Tony will have his um, incoming declaration service at the end of, uh, sorry, the first week of April. And then, <coughs> excuse me. And then um, he will take over. So, yes, it's, it just seems to be, it's gone so quick for something that, you know, I had four years notice. Um, I can't believe that, that where the year has gone, to be quite honest. And I think it's just because I've been so busy, which yeah. is good, yeah. um, that, that I, it, I just can't believe it's, you know, it seems like five minutes ago that I was, you know, being fitted for hats and having buckles <laughs> fitted on my shoes and... and <laughs> thinking about whether I needed a sword or not but um but yeah that's, uh, <laughs> did you have a sword <laughs> um I borrowed somebody's sword because the we uh, females only get to use them uh for ceremonial purposes so we would only take it in for our declaration and legal services we're not allowed to carry the sword around oh right. um but so the, the gents have that joy uh, so that yeah and also being so short it would probably drag on the floor <laughs> if i had a sword anyway so um so no it's it's safely tucked away for ready for return to its its rightful owner but um but no so it's been as i say it's, it's been a, a whirlwind year but uh i, I can't you know I, i've just had a, an absolutely amazing time really really thoroughly enjoyed and just been glad to be able to play a part sort of connecting people and putting people together to make um, positive partnerships and also as I was told when I took office 
um, I've been able to sprinkle my Shravel stardust. So um, I, I've tried to do that wherever I possibly could. Lovely. That's a lovely term. That really is. <laughs> well, thank you very much uh, to Dean, um, the High Sheriff of Shropshire. Uh, thank you so much for talking to us today. Uh, so thank you very much. You're very welcome. Nice to see you both. Thank you. Intune Radio have a host of advertising and sponsorship packages available. To find out more, contact us at info at intune-radio.co.uk or find out more on our website, that's intune-radio.co.uk. So we're welcoming back a band without warning. The next track is Here We Go Again. And actually, I spoke to one of the band members, Luke, and he tells me that the band got together when they were playing together at uh, the community college in Bishop's Castle. And they've been playing three or four years, so they're still quite a young band. And if you want to hear more about them, go to Facebook, Instagram, and Spotify. Take it away, boys.
Our final guest we have on today's show is Marissa Fernandez. Lovely Marissa. Uh-huh. Uh, she runs her own language school in Shrewsbury called Bright Owls and has taught a number, well, many, many people, Spanish and other languages. So hi there, Marissa. Yeah, hi, Marissa. So you're from Spain. So what brought you to Shropshire? Hi, Wayne. Thanks hi, for yeah. having me. Hi, and yeah. yes, my name is Marisa Fernandez and I'm Spanish from the northwest of Spain, from Galicia. Uh, from where? Um, Galicia. Galicia, all right. Galicia, yes, mm-hmm. it's in the northwest of um, Spain, mm-hmm. just above Portugal. Right. And I have been in England now for 26 years, believe it or not. Gosh. Wow. Yes. I, um, I came just for six months. Yeah. <laughs> <And> tw- <laughs> I know, and 26 years later, I'm still here. I know, I know. I must say, I came with the idea of improving my English. I needed English for my job in Spain. I was an accountant. Mm -hmm. um, So my employers, they sent me over to England to improve my English, to deal with um, some contractors they had with the British and uh, American companies. Mm-hmm. So here I came to Shrewsbury because uh, I couldn't find it in the map and I thought it would be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant, yeah. <laughs> to see what it was like. And yeah. uh, to be honest, uh, it's been brilliant for me. I have learned a lot. After the six months I went back, uh, that was 1995 then, and mm-hmm. there was a big crisis, uh, economical crisis in Spain mm-hmm. and I saw myself with a better level of English but not a job to go back to right the right. company folded and uh, that's it so I came back to Shrewsbury where I had some contacts and then I decided to carry on studying and later on um, trying to find different type of jobs um, I realized that learning English, it was fun. I enjoyed it. I made good improvements. So I thought, well, let's say, you know, form into the learning of other languages and at the same time, perhaps teaching them. Mm -hmm. And that's how I started. So, uh, yes, uh, I um, started a, a language school that was in 2010. After several years uh, working in different organizations, I decided that the provision of languages uh, needed a special attention because um, 
I felt at the time that um, there was a shortage of uh, specialized uh, language teachers uh, to teach languages properly, uh-huh. and, uh, especially from an early age. So Bright Towers commenced like that, uh, wow. teaching uh, languages just for children. That was the idea. Yeah. yeah. Yes, uh, we were teaching French and Spanish. But within a few months, uh, we started getting inquiries about what about adults? What about grown-ups? We want to learn languages as well. Mm-hmm. So we grew up and uh, then we ended up uh, teaching Spanish, French, German, Italian, uh, Greek, wow. Greek and yeah. Russian. So, yes, uh, and this is our 10th year in business, which Fantastic. I am very proud about. Yeah, I bet be, you are. But, yeah, exactly. Got every reason to yes. be. Yes. So wonderful to hear all that. So, Marissa, obviously a very successful business lady. What is your major top tip, would you say, actually launching a business? Well, I believe the most important thing is to have the passion and belief in what you do. Mm-hmm. If you don't believe in what you are delivering, in what your product is or service, then you better not get then into Nobody it. else will. Yeah, nobody else yeah. will believe. Exactly. So I am a great believer of that. If you, have a, you believe in what you have, in what you can do, it can be done. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I I would absolutely agree with that. I think uh, that sometimes perhaps people can think, I want to um, set up a business, but they go about it with the idea of, right, what business is going to be successful? Um, And, and, you know, think of it that way. And maybe they even think, oh, I'll I'll go into, I don't know, whatever, running a coffee shop, for example, when actually they, 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 they just think that might be successful. It doesn't mean they actually want to do that. Um, and, and that really is looking at it the wrong way around. Uh, yeah, personally, I agree with you that you're much better to think, I want to do, you know, uh, obviously running a language school or I want to be a web designer or I want to, uh, whatever it is, but you've got to want to do it. Exactly. And also you have to be open that things might change. Your initial yep. plans might change. Like uh, m- myself, you know, I was concentrating in just teaching children. That yes. was what I set up to do. Yes. Yep. But then I, I had to look at things in a different way, see what the demand was there. Can I do it? Can I do it well? And then, you know, you change your plan and uh, within your uh, capability, you do the best you can to actually make it a success. Yes. yes. Yeah, and good absolutely. for you seeing those opportunities and being flexible, you know, to to change what you're doing and to, and to take on, you know, uh, you know, additional responsibility and, you know, all of those kind of aspects really to further your your business. Yeah. And also you have to consider that uh, those changes is not just uh, in my in my position, for instance, uh, as a teacher, I had to be flexible in the way I teach. I can teach uh, one-to-ones, I can teach groups. And then, of course, we have now online tuition. Yes, yes. You know, yeah. which, uh, again, at the same time, you have to be flexible. And not all your clients, in my case, my students, they are not uh, all up for big groups. They might want a more independent and, uh, you know, attention, uh, the one-to-one tuition my offer. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's all about being adaptable and flexible 
and uh, yes, uh, and do what you do with a passion. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So, have you found that you have had to change? Um, obviously, with the uh, you know, the current situation, um, have you done lots of the online um, teaching instead? I have indeed. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, all uh, during the last few months. I had to uh, really adapt and learn a lot uh, how to cope with it. Uh, and yes, I've been delivering lessons online. So mm-hmm. I have one-to-one tuitions and I also have groups online. Mm-hmm. And, and I have even had children <laughs> online, <laughs> which is a challenging, but it can be done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would imagine their attention spells probably aren't the same as adults. Well, it is, it is. And depending, we don't teach uh, online. I tend to teach children from the age of seven upwards because it requires um, a different way of uh, approach. Mm-hmm. And again, the, the attention span, you know, for some students it's actually better because they have no distractions from other peers, other students, you know, so they actually perform better. But it goes with the personality of the of the student, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And do you find, therefore, that because your Spanish Spanish is the is the main language that you teach, or is it? Uh, I think you do Italian and Portuguese as well. That's right. Yes, my other specialized language is Portuguese. Yeah. So I do teach uh, Portuguese, uh, European Portuguese, and Brazilian Portuguese, and I have uh, a couple of uh, groups. Uh, learning Portuguese at the moment wow. and I have also I do also teach um, Italian uh, for beginners up to UCSC level and I teach English as a foreign language gosh wow. you are a busy bee aren't you I know how do you fit it all in <laughs> <laughs> with a lot of headaches at the end of the day <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no it is it is good it's a uh, it's something, um, I will say, once you learn a foreign language, the others will come along and uh, you will always have um, uh, little pointers from previous learned languages that will help you to embrace a new one. So it gets easier. Yeah. <laughs> and I practice makes perfect. Well... <laughs> <laughs> Well, because Wayne and I are going to have a have a little. Yeah, we're going to have a stab, uh, aren't we? We got. We, we got are going to have a stab. Yes, yeah, yes, we're going to. Yes. You know, see see what happens uh, in the next uh, kind of section. But yeah, we kind of think wouldn't it be fun to kind of learn a language alongside all of this wonderful work that we're doing online? So um, yeah, we'll be looking at that in a in a short while. Mm-hmm. Um, Marissa, so in terms of um, business and business opportunities, where do you find most of your business comes from? Well, um, to be honest, most of my business comes word of mouth. Okay. And uh, we have retained uh, students for many years. I got uh, this particular student. She's been with me, uh, well, what, eight, nine years now. She's sitting her GCSC exam next month. Oh, of course. So So you could have them all all the way through, really, couldn't you? That's right. So she started uh, when she was about, what, six, seven years old. And she's come along all the way. So, yes, it varies. But, of course, I have as well my website, which is also uh, bringing along lots of inquiries and uh, new students. And I must say, social media uh, plays a big part Mm -hmm. in putting my name out, but I'm not as uh, 
productive with that, I must say. Well, you're just so busy. And, you know, the thing is, <laughs> it really is about doing work that you enjoy rather than just having a, a, a diary that's so full that you just can't enjoy it anymore. And it goes back to that passion aspect that you mentioned. You know, you've got to, I would imagine, have some space uh, to, well, be, to, to enjoy what you, you know the continuation of teaching that's right that's it well that's a, one of the things that um, you know from an early uh, beginning of the business um, of course remember my background was accountancy so mm-hmm. I will have no problem in doing my own accounts but I made a decision <laughs> to uh, you know bring someone along to help me out with that side of the business just to give me time to concentrate on what I can do better and best, you know, to deliver to my students uh, the best possible uh, lesson. And uh, so the same will apply probably for my social media presence that (laughs) I will have to, you know, really consider that as well. I think so. I think, you know, you talk about sort of, you know, in business we have to consider marketing strategies and you're right, you've got to consider what you're, what you're great at and what maybe you could uh, release a little bit and brief somebody on and they, they can run it for you. Uh, and things change so regularly th- these days, you know. Um, it's not just about, I suppose, posting the odd message. It's about the kind of media use, engagement, advertising potential. There's a, there's a whole host of things to consider over and above, you know, a simple message or a testimonial online mm-hmm. now. Yeah. And it's the, consi- the consistency as well of it. Yes. You know, yes. Uh, so that makes a big difference. But um, to be honest, uh, at the moment, uh, things as things are going, um, I am enjoying it. I am. Uh, I never spend so much time at home in my life. <laughs> so <laughs> I am I'm starting to like it. So yes, yes. Oh, good for you. Yeah, Marissa. Thank you so much for uh, spending some time with us. Um, thank you for your big tip. That's been really, really helpful. Uh, Marissa, um, if you're interested, visit her site. It's brightels.co.uk, uh, I believe. Or you can find her online if you search for Marissa or Brightels. And equally, um, you can reach her through the uh, through our site, our uh, intune-radio.co.uk. Send an email to info at um, intune hyphen radio.co.uk and just put in the subject uh, Marissa and you can um, get in contact with her we'll f- forward it on and uh, you can have a chat with her Marissa thanks for your time it's been absolutely amazing thank you amazing. guys Lovely thank you very much Marissa we'll speak to you again soon cheers now thanks bye cheers bye. bye Radio have a host of advertising and sponsorship packages available to find out more contact us at info at intune-radio.co.uk or find out more on our website that's intune-radio.co.uk So we've come to the end of today's show. Thank you so much to Victoria and to Dean and to the wonderful Marissa Mm -hmm. and obviously to all the wonderful talent we have had on today's show. The whole thing couldn't come together without them. So thank you so much to everybody. Absolutely. And, you know, we're getting uh, so much attention on Facebook, especially. So if you're a band or an artist, look out for us requesting, you know, get in contact with us. Come and like our Facebook page uh, because we'd like to see you over there. And also connect with us on LinkedIn. You know, if you're a business, we are Business with Beats and we're going to be doing a lot of work in the future uh, for the community and for the business community as well. So um, do come and like us, come and follow us, watch this space. 
we're, we're looking for volunteers. We're looking for uh, presenters possibly too. Uh, and there's lots going on. So it's really, really exciting time as we're breaking through to the spring, summertime, and hopefully post-COVID. There's lots going on, and we'd love to hear more about local talent especially. you know. So all of you guys out there that are gigging, uh, if you're a DJ as well, if you're playing uh, house music, dance music, funk, electro, you know, whatever it may well be, do get in contact because we've just got a host of ideas um, that we'd love you to listen to. So hope to hear from you soon. Absolutely exciting times ahead. Yes. So thank you so much for listening, everybody. So it's cheerio from me. And bye from me. So playing us out, our last track from our local artist is Ardem featuring Amy Owen and Kate Brown with Broken Heart. Cool. Wondering about you I've got to snap out of it Snap out of it When I go out Wondering if you're there too Keep scanning the place Gonna look at your face I don't want to get back together I'm moving on With my life And I like it But now you're still on my mind Catch myself thinking about it I'm another broken heart Looking me back at the start Wondering, can I do this all again? Knowing it might end the same I'm another broken heart Am I gonna drown in tears? Or will I pull myself up one more time? Pushing through and face my fears I still catch myself as if things are fine I'm trying, I'm trying When I stop to think It's just sort in my mind Push away all the pain oh, But yeah. back again I'm not trying to get back together
Intune Radio have a host of advertising and sponsorship packages available. To find out more, contact us at info at intune-radio.co.uk or find out more on our website, that's intune-radio.co.uk.